Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Pregame.com video and audio podcast for September 9th. This is segment one of four this week, and we're going to be talking about handicapping theory entering the season, both what did we learn from week one in college football, and what how do you look at week one in NFL, which is upcoming. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, and Vegas Runner, a genuine professional batter here in Vegas. Marco... Why don't you just take off? You talk about any subject you want. What do you feel most passionate about this week? Well, let's, you know, go to week one last week, uh, college football. You know, great week of college football, exciting games. I can't remember a better week opening with some of the games we had. And the thing that I took away from the first week is too much. You lead into the first week, you got three weeks that the lines are out and everybody's talking about them. And pub- I noticed, and, and VR, you can, uh, we didn't give Marco a chance here, but we like to make it interactive is I noticed bigger line moves is I did a LA radio spot on Friday and I, I looked at the bigger games and like Notre Dame went from 10 to 15. Correct. And uh, there was numerous uh, USC was bet down I think from 38 to 33 or big line moves. Is that a combination, uh, it seems to me, two potential factors. One is the lines makers just aren't as sharp early in the year. And number two could be that because they are out for so long, there's more action, which causes more movement. I think it's a, a little both, but more I believe it's the odds makers were off, and they were way off because a lot of them moves ended up cashing. I mean, the Texas A&M line moving three, four points. The wise guys did extremely well on the games that got steamed. Um, and, and a perfect indication of this is when you look at the odds makers poll so many teams he had to go in and, and rank them now where in the first week he didn't have them ranked and others he had the drop so, so the turnover in the odds makers poll was pretty significant this week unbelievable i mean i saved a copy of the first week just so i could compare it as the year goes on it was incredible how off they were on the flip side though was that a good thing um because the sports books did well uh, the public had a little too much confidence, I think, in the odds makers' numbers and, and didn't um, do as well. The wise guys cleaned up. Uh, what does up. that mean? The public had confidence in the number. I, I think I they gave too much respect in, in the number the odds makers had. They weren't so even if close. So if the public is given respect, what do, what do they do? In that uh, case? Because he was so off, that's gonna, you're going to have a negative result because of that. Because none of the games hardly even came close to the spread. You're talking about 20-point dogs winning outright. Three-point favorites winning by 41. I mean, he was way off. Them significant moves cashed. But unfortunately, the betting public was on the wrong side of a lot of them moves. According to the sports books, they did great um, on Saturday. So the wise guys did well. And but the the square batters did poorly. Yeah, that, according to their sports book, that's how, and and looking at the line moves, that's pretty much how it went. 
All right, so we had big line moves, Marco. Well, one of the things that I, what I was alluding to was that public perception on teams for graduation losses. A couple of the key games last week, Alabama had to replace a starting quarterback. Missouri, everybody was just talking bad about Missouri, you know, coming up into this, that, you know, they lost Chase Daniels and the whole team. Uh, you had the question marks with Georgia. Um, I used all three of those games last week. I lost the Georgia game, but these teams that are good programs and they're on the uptick like Missouri, they can reload. Once you start going to a bowl game, recruiting becomes so much easier for these programs, and they can right, restart. So let's think about this because college football is probably the the one the, the main sport I have the most insider knowledge of. A lot of friends in the business is I do agree going from being a non bowl team to a bowl team is a big jump and when we say bowl team consistently you know four out of five years making a bowl but the difference between let's say a Kansas which meets that criteria and an Oklahoma is night and day so you want to take a minute and make that distinction because I think that's a key distinction well the game that I'm zeroing in on is Missouri and as I said Everybody was against Missouri on Saturday. Everybody thought Illinois was bringing a lot of people back. It was a revenge factor to add to Revenge play on that. And Missouri went in to Champaign and just, they cold cocked Illinois. I mean, that that game wasn't even close. A book, a, a game the books did extremely well with. Everybody was taking Illinois in that one, laying the points. Right, so what's the message with Missouri? The the message is these programs that are on the rise, and when they when you see significant losses, don't overreact to them. That they're going to be better. Significant it, losses of players early in right, the season. Absolutely. Right, so what I'm hearing as a takeaway, and that's always one of our goals, is to have actionable takeaways here, is is it, it's common to say Ohio State reloads, USC reloads. We know the top eight, nine, ten programs reload. You're saying in this day and age, these second tier programs that just initially reach that tier, like a Missouri, they aren't reloading quite as effectively, but more than expected. And the public perception is going to be the other way. And so you're getting value in the line because the public's going to say, oh, Missouri lost Chase Daniels. They're going to be struggling, you know, and I just, that's where it's at public perception versus true value interesting vr any thought any teams and i'll open up to both of you any teams that played in week one or didn't play in week one that you think maybe are a little underrated right now based upon uh the because the old cliched trend is returning starters returning and when you look at Oklahoma though and there's another side to this is the insiders I talked to are saying that front line just was not ready even before the quarterback was hurt that front line was not gelled yet to play such a tough game and that's why he got hurt (laughs) they were beating him up so I mean clearly there's some I mean where's the balance at clearly there's some value with returning players and the public really appreciates that are you saying it's swung so much that you, that you look to fade returning teams it's a situation that over the years, people, just like you said, have made such an emphasis on the returning starters that they devaluized what we're looking at. It's like the home dog on Monday night. That was great in the NFL until everybody started looking at that, and then the odds makers make adjustments. Now people look at the returning starters and put too much emphasis on this stuff. you got to be able to dissect talent and, and look at it. And a perfect example, you mentioned Kansas. Kansas was a program – 
for years that was no good. And then on the rise, went to the Bulls. They're reloading. I mean, you're well aware of the Kansas program with your, your friends there. And that that's a situation that as you grow and, you, you know, parity comes. Now, when coaches leave, then you got to, you know, that's a bigger adjustment because it could All right, be. So let's talk about that. So you're saying once a program's in place we and, and at the bowl level, replacing players is easier, but replacing coaches, no matter what the program is, is a big challenge. Right, because once a coach leaves, a lot of those people that want to go to that school because the program was winning, it goes hand in hand. The coach is what started that winning program, and you know, you're going to lose that. Quick plug here is one of the nice things. What we do here is we, we're doing four video spots this week. We also do a podcast you can hear on iTunes or at pregame.com. But we also do an, an overtime where anything that we talked about in one of the first four segments this week, we'll talk about audio only on overtime. Well, one of the new features is we're going to take the words that Marco makes up and then we're going to check we're going to check the dictionary and then tell you if it's a word. So this week, devalueize is going to be one of the things we'll talk about in overtime. All right, we got 60 seconds. Thank uh, you, Ron. Any closing thoughts? Uh, first week of the preseason, you just got to throw, I mean, the first week of the NFL season, excuse me, you got to throw the preseason out the window. That's number one. Um, I think we have to get that point across before we end this segment about looking forward towards the next week's games. And we'll be breaking down this uh, the um, Jacksonville game against Indy. So we'll talk some NFL theory there. Absolutely in for week one. Okay, so this is segment one. Now remember, now you can get all four segments if you're a, a video watcher at pregame.tv. And we'll be right back. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Hey guys, this is segment two of four of the pregame.com audio and video podcast for September 9th. I'm your host, RJ Bell. This In the second segment, what we do is talk about a big game. Is We break down one big game, usually while well, doing football. It's going to be a football game. And I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the handicapping business, and Vegas Runner, a genuine professional batter here in Vegas. And this week we're talking about, in segment, uh, the first of two segments, segments of the big game preview we'll be talking about um, college in the next segment this week Indianapolis Jacksonville take it Vegas Ryan. it's Jacksonville at Indianapolis this line opened at six and a half or seven um, betting public likes Indianapolis in this game drove it up to seven and a half uh, right away the wise guys got involved took all the seven and a halves out there and I think they're going to do the same if the trend continues and the public keeps coming in on the Colts. Now, you mentioned the public's love of the Colts. I did an interesting article at uh, pregameblogs.com, just came out today on Wednesday, is I looked at the entire season of the NFL and, and, and saw how many games they were favored in. And the Steelers actually are favored, favored in all 16 games wow. this year. Uh, in the, uh, New England is favored in 15. They go on the ro- road against uh, Indy and they're not favored. But Indy's actually favored, if I recall, in 13 games. So this is a uh, very publicly um, embraced team. And and you mentioned the movement going up over seven here. Yeah, and and everyone knows the history of them in the preseason. No one's worried that they were one and three. We know they don't care about the preseason. So everybody expects the Colts to come out and be the Colts. Uh, Wise guys see it a different way. Jacksonville's played this team tough every time. Even though the Colts have won six of the last eight, 
they've showed that they could beat them in a running game or a passing game. The first game last year, they ran for 200 yards, made Peyton turn the ball over twice. Second game, they each threw for like 350 yards, and Jacksonville played them real close. So the wise guys think it's going to be close again. The reason I think they look at it this way is they don't think that's that huge of a home field edge in this game for Indianapolis. Three of the last four games in this series have been won by the road team. So when you factor that in and right, you get up let, over a touchdown. Let me jump in here. Three out of four. Mm-hmm. Now, what you see on the internet is the trends. Right. Because there's the computers spit them out and these amateur handicappers, they might be selling picks or they might not, but they're mm-hmm. still amateurs. Uh, they use the trends and the trends don't make sense. No. To me, this three out of four as a pure number doesn't tell me anything. Uh, no, it just it, we're looking at the same teams. They're playing each other. So that's in the, the question. Division. That's my point is, as you watch these games, does it look like, because the number three out of four doesn't impress me, but it does back up if you're seeing something with your eyes. What are you seeing? You're seeing that home field between these two teams specifically mean less or in the NFL in general? Uh, yeah, less? because I think Jacksonville has shown that the ability to go in there and play them tough. So specifically Jacksonville going into Indy. Yeah, and that's why, to me, I thought it was significant that three of the last four times they've played such a close game where it comes down to a field goal. Um, You know, I I know it isn't a a trend of since 81, but we're looking at these two teams now today. And this is the same offense and defense that has played these last four or five times. There's two different types of trends. There's a trend that sits alone and you don't know anything about it, but the numbers are what you're believing in. And then there's a trend that validates something you've seen with your eyes. So to me, if it's validating something we've seen, then it doesn't need to be statistically as significant. If it's just a blind trend that we're just looking at the math, it needs to be bigger. So I, I, for example, let's say that you're watching a game, Marco, and you say, I think the Steelers are playing poorly. Now, in the next two games if they don't cover, that's only 0-2. Right. That doesn't mathematically tell you much, but it validates what you're seeing. Right. All right, so jump in with your thoughts on this. Well, I'm going to disagree with uh, what VR is saying on this game. And this is one of those games, and you're going to hear me talk about lines and how I read the line and what I'm going to look at. The fact that Vegas set this number up at 7, given what you've said, that Jacksonville always does play Indianapolis tough. Whether Jacksonville has a good team or bad team, they do have a history of playing Indianapolis tough. When you consider that, then throw in the fact that Indianapolis has a new coach this year, Tony Dungy's gone. You got Jim Caldwell taking over for Tony Dungy. So you got an unknown factor. This would make it even more of a, a better spot for Jacksonville to cover, yet they put up the seven. But what could you bring it out at? Well, you know, well, with no, the if history. They played in your yeah, backyard, imagine, imagine if they if it's played four in your backyard, what would you make Indianapolis favor in your backyard over Jacksonville? The fact four at least? The fact that the number went over the seven. They came at seven and they went ahead and and I saw those seven and a half yeah. to go through that crucial number right away. That but that's that's sharp money, right? Because that's most the way squares, I read it. most squares aren't betting this this game early. So me reading that line and the way the line move went early, I like Indianapolis based off of what I'm seeing with the line. That's how I view it. So you're saying it looks like they're inviting Jacksonville action. Absolutely. Interesting. Now, we talk about coaching transitions, and 
And I, for one, believe that to be always huge, NFL, college, whatever. Some are bigger than others. What would you, how would you characterize, and I'll open this to either of you guys, how would you characterize the transition between Dungy and the new coach? Is Because clearly if there's a whole new staff and it's almost like a repudiation of the prior staff, that, that's one thing. That's a huge transition. This felt like more of a almost like a president where there's the the transition was more natural hand-picked. and hand picked. Do do we consider it less because of that the the negativity of the transition? To me, one example comes out right away. Now, when you have a coaching change and it's from a winning program and it's just the coaches deciding you know, to retire or whatever, I think the team itself has more of an agenda to prove that it wasn't as much the system as it was the players. And all I could think back to, and we're going back to the great 49er teams, was Bill Walsh, you know, the transition from Bill Walsh to George Seifert. They went on and, you know, went to the Super Bowl that year. For those guys out there in in their 20s, you might want to look this up on the Internet. (laughs) They were a pretty good team, the Niners. (laughs) You know. What about with George Hallis? Was there? I wasn't that old. Thanks. <laughs> all right. So, so here's what I, all joking aside. Here's what I'm hearing: is I'm hearing you say be, that the transition is smoother because of the closeness of the staffs, and now you've got the players really, frankly, wanting to prove that Tony Dungy wasn't the reason they succeeded. Absolutely, and one that wasn't exactly the, the coaching handoff was the Pittsburgh Steelers just three years ago. You had a winning coach, a winning program, Bill Cowher, stepped away, and they hired Mike Tomlin, and he kept, you know, and the winning continued. The Steelers, you know, had a great year that first year with Tomlin. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I, I was so upset uh, as a Steeler fan about the way they played after they won the Super Bowl last time that, that uh, I, I guess any change was going to be a good one after that. All right, VR, let me ask you a question. It strikes me Jacksonville was a team just two years ago that w- would be the next team to break Only through. Up, sure. And then, lo and behold, last year there were major locker room issues. This year it seems like all of a sudden everyone thinks all oh, those issues are gone. Do we have any insight into is did they clear out the problems? What's what's going to be different? Maybe the easy question is what's going to be different this year than last year with a Jacksonville team that underperformed? The key is they're going to have to stay healthy. I think a lot of the issues came last year because of their health issues early on. The, right, the, the, the offensive line got hurt right away. That hurt their running game. That you know that put a lot of pressure on Gerard. And I think from there the team just started crumbling. It just started going backwards. More and more injuries piled up for this team. I think this year the attitude is we're healthy. We could return back to that 07 status. Is that that at least is what they're you know going into the season saying? They're saying all the right things from what I'm gathering from Jacksonville going to their you know website. Okay. All right. So. Interesting conversation. This was segment two. We're going to be back with another big game update, and we're going to be talking about, Marco, who are we talking about? Uh, A game I think you might be a little bit interested in. USC, high state. Yes, sir. And we'll be, uh, and remember, you can get all the videos at pregame.tv, and we'll be right back. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com.
Welcome back. This is the pregame.com video and audio podcast. This is segment three of four. This is our second segment of Big Game Previews. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, and Vegas Runner, a genuine professional batter. All right, USC, Ohio State. Vegas Runner, what is the number one key betting factor in this game, in your opinion? The shock of the number to me. Last year when they played at USC, USC was a 10.5-point favorite and blew this team away. I mean, kept them out of the end zone completely. Um, now they're traveling to Ohio State, and they bring them out 6, 6.5-point six favorite. Um, to me, that's just too high. Uh, I think it's a reflection of what we saw last week from Ohio State. I mean, the odds maker rushed the judgment right away. He dropped Ohio State down three spots just because of the performance. All right, so hold on. Let's be specific. Three spots as in they have the odds maker's poll where the odds makers say this is what I believe are the top 20 or 25 teams. They, High State was 5 and now they're 8 after the one performance. Correct. And since that adjustment, according to his ratings, um, they should be 9 on a neutral field. Um, so they, he really believes that USC is this powerful. But even then, if you give a high state three for home, this number's a little high. Right. And, and that's what I think. I think it, it, it is a high number. I think that's why the wise guys grabbed any sevens when it went to seven, seven and a half. They jumped up and grabbed them. Um, couple did lay six early from what I heard. Cause All right, so four. just one note, VR. I saw a four and, four, a half, yeah. four and a half come out on the game originally, mm-hmm. and then it immediately went to six, six and a half. And that, that kind of Saturday night or Sunday night action is the sharpest of the sharp wise guys typically. Now, some are maybe, again, you've got to always be careful with the wise guys. There may be an effort to buy back, knowing the USC, you know, making a projection USC is going to get all the action, buy, you know, bet it a four and a half, then, then hedge it back at seven. Yeah, that's a guaranteed move for them every time, especially knowing it is going to be that primetime TV game. And Ohio State, I mean, oh, um, <laughs> USC is such a public team. So if that, that's what I never understood. If the wise guys know the four and a half, is too short, why don't the odds makers come out at six and a half to start with? That's, I mean, that's the value that they find. I mean, if he's always right, then there wouldn't be any of these No, but what I'm saying, no, true enough. I'm not saying that every fifth game or whatever, a certain small percentage of games shouldn't be steamed uh, because, again, the Lions makers not always going to agree with the Sharps. But what I'm saying is it seems like in these public games where there's one side, if you looked each week and said, who, where's the biggest discrepancy between one team and the other where the public loves one and doesn't love the other? Those games, eight out of ten weeks, seem to move in the direction of the public team. You think that it'd be that the lines maker could better project that. I agree 100% and so many bookmakers cry and argue about that very same thing. Why don't he bring them out higher when you know they're going to lay this anyway? They believe in them power ratings so much I think, RJ, and they rely so much on them. They don't have that feel that old bookmakers had. You know, Now they're, they're afraid to bring out a team. When New England was covering all them spreads, every bookmaker was crying, saying bring them out 
at 20 if you have to. I don't care. I'm tired of cashing tickets well, of this they, team laying they 14. They caught up there. there they, because yeah, yeah it took a while. But, uh, VR, last year when that line was 10 and a half, I can remember us on the podcast having the same conversation. Why was that line so high? Because nobody, you never saw Ohio State as a 10 and a half point underdog. People were questioning that. I think they have problems when it's two marquee teams. I mean, let's face it. Ohio State's one of the biggest marquee teams east of the Mississippi. So you're saying the lines maker has problems when it's two marquee teams. Yes. I mean, this seems to replicate a bowl game, as in not only do you have two marquee teams, you have teams of different styles from different conferences, and, and again, this feels like a bowl game. So, All right, so Marco, in your opinion, what is the single key betting factor that our listeners and watchers should be considering? Well, there, there's actually two factors, and it's going to... Well, say one, and then, and then <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll take it from there. We'll take it there. Well, one is for Ohio State, and one's for USC. For Ohio State, were they looking ahead? to Navy. I say definitely they were looking ahead, you know, the Navy game. Southern Cal, they got pounded last year. Huge revenge game. Plus, they're playing a team that has a gimmick offense. You just don't face that Navy-style offense, and it's hard to prepare for, especially when you got one eye on next week's game. So, yes, Ohio State is better than they looked last week. Are they good enough to win this Saturday? That's the question. On the flip side, Part two is Southern Cal. Are they as good as they looked last week? You got a freshman quarterback going on the road well, into the shoot. Let's talk about this a second. How good did they look? And, and I was just listening to the game on the radio. Unless I'm mistaken, it was seven three with about four minutes in the second half. Yeah, and that's all. Or in the first four minutes quarter. in the second. No, no, no. Four minutes in the, in the second quarter. Yeah, in the first half. Uh, that's all. That's the only part I watched actually. The first quarter and the second because then Alabama game started, and that's what I caught. And, and San Jose State was hanging in there. It didn't come till late that. Um, USC onslaught came at the end. And again, I mean, who's to say what the meaning of that tight score, but to almost be at the half, to play 25 minutes of football, let's say, 7-3, you know, how, how USC, uh, and again, I didn't see the end of the game, but, uh, well, I guess that's the question. Do you think USC looked really good? USC rolled up yardages, you know, that offensive line took over the game. They were running the ball at will in the second half. And when you're running the ball at will, any quarterback's going to look better. And that opened up the passing lanes, and he had great numbers. I think he completed 19 of 23 passes in the game. You're not going to have the San Jose State defense on the field on Saturday night. Yeah, you ain't completing 80% of your passes like he did Saturday. So, you know, don't overreact to the freshman's first game. So let's talk about the line again, because if you assume a seven-point adjustment between two, it, home and away, and I think it's a six-point adjustment with okay teams, it's probably a seven-point adjustment, especially at Ohio with, with State, Ohio State or USC. So let's talk about that a minute. Seven points means if it was neutral, it'd be three and a half points different, and then if it's the other team's field, it'd be three and a half more, which adds up to seven. So that means right now that if this game is played at USC, they'd be a 14-point favor. So that means relatively USC is over a field goal better than a high state, relatively more than they were last year. Does that does that seem right? On I thought surface. that four was too high that they brought out, to be honest with you, um, because this kid is a freshman. He has not gone on. This is his first road game, and of all road games, to go into an 80,000 
you know, seat place, you know, a very hostile environment against a very good defense. And he's interception prone. We know that from high school. I think they're taking it a little too nonchalant, too. I think it's the confidence of USC that's driving this number up. You see, they act like they have not a care in the world about Ohio State. No, we weren't looking ahead. I have a saying, RJ, and I use it all the time. No team is as good as their best game or as bad as their worst game. And this is a classic example where the public's looking at two results, Ohio State almost losing to Navy and Southern Cal blowing out San Jose State. You have to find a happy medium here. And the public perception right now is that Southern Cal is for real. And that's an over. 45 seconds. Give me one more point that the batter should consider in this game. In this game, also the fact that this is a night game at Ohio State. They don't play a lot of night games at Ohio State. That is huge. The crowd will be more intense. It's always going to be a sellout. But when you're tailgating all afternoon, the crowd is wild in anticipation. You know, you went there. Good point. 45 seconds. Last key point. Don't punish Ohio State that the, for the Big Ten going 2-5 and five ATS last week because that's all we're hearing how weak the Big Ten is. And I think that the you, Ohio State's getting punished for that, and that's why we're seeing hu- such a high line. But in general, that is a good approach. Is we, Really, no one really knows about any of these teams. When you see a whole conference do poorly, just like in the early bowl games, I think that is generally something to consider. right? Yeah. You're just saying under, but don't overestimate estimate its value this week. That quickly, yeah, exactly. All right. So, great conversation, guys. This was our big game preview. Remember now, we have our fourth segment coming up, which is we give away free picks, and you can see all the segments if you're watching on video at pregame.tv. We'll be right back. This is RJ Bell, founder of pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign-up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. Welcome back, guys. This is segment four of four of this week's pregame.com video and audio podcast for September 9th. And the fourth segment is free picks this week. Many times the favorite segment of all the viewers out there. They love free picks. Okay, I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, Vegas runner, genuine professional batter. We're going straight to Vegas runner. Give us your free pick this week. Uh, last week I gave my AFC Future of the Year. This week we're going NFC Future of the Year. Team I'm giving out is the New Orleans Saints at 20 to 1. That just screams value to me. Um, I think this team's definitely on the upside. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year. Six of those games were by a combined 18 points, so by a field goal. Could have went either way. I think they'll be dominant at home once again. Uh, the reason I, I think people are not as high on them is because they're rated to have a tough schedule. But they play the Giants, New England, and Dallas all at home. And I don't think at home they could should be a big dog to anybody. Um, I really think that the offense will be one of the best in the NFL once again. The difference maker and the reason I'm taking this team is the defense. I think they step it up. Defensive coordinator Greg's there now. 
It's going to change a lot of things. If, if this team, we said it so many times, two years ago, uh, the year before that, this has been a team on the rise. Imagine if they had a defense. All right, and so I think they what's, finally do. Uh, what's the best number on this? Uh, tw- 22 to 1, 23 to 1, I found, but I, I gave it out at 20 to 1. Okay. And remember, for those playing futures, there's a lot of variation in the number. You want to make sure to get the best number. You can check out the best deals from trusted sportsbooks and double bonuses at pregameaction.com. Marco, real quick, what's your thoughts on New Orleans? New Orleans, absolutely. Offense has been great, and if they step up the defense, they're going to make that next step up, no question. I like that. I was thinking Giants the whole time, RJ. From last year, I said my next year's NFC future is going to be the Giants, but I can't get over the fact they don't have wide receivers and looking through the NFL it's so tough for new wide receivers to step in and do well right away right out of college because the speed is so different and I think that's going to be a big problem for them late in the year I mean think about this NFC uh, honestly is I'm going to name some teams and tell me who if you would be shocked if this t- team made the Super Bowl New Orleans no All right. Green Bay no Minnesota no Chicago no Giants? No. Philly? No. I mean, this is a wide-open league yeah, here. You can throw Dallas in, too. Yeah, I would be surprised. Some even say Seattle or Arizona. Uh, yeah, Arizona. Well, yeah, we're even not even counting a team teams. that made it last year. The point is, there's no overwhelming dominant team in, in the NFC. In that case, I always like to go a little lower down on the payoffs and get a little bigger payoff because there's not that much difference between a New Orleans and a Giants, let's say. I agree. Interesting. Okay, Marco. Now, before you give your free pick, you're going to give away some money for the your money. I love that part. You know, love giving away RJ's money. You know, and it's a shame too because RJ had to shell out for a haircut this week. You know, and stylish (laughs) cut. So you know. Did you have a coupon for that? Well, you know what happened? I believe in Collective IQ, so I got all the emails about my hair. They told me what to do, and then I said, screw it. I'm just cutting it all off. Okay. Well, you got your money's worth. That's for sure. All right. We're going to go with, since it's the first Sunday of the NFL season, the coupon's going to be Sunday 10. One word, Sunday, the number 10. You use that coupon. You're going to get $10 off any purchase at pregamepros.com. Just go to the checkout, enter that code. $10 off. And, and for those who, and sorry to interrupt, for those who haven't seen the new pros, just launched about 10 days ago, I'm very user-friendly. You really get to know these cappers, and uh, you can go, like Marco said, directly at pregamepros.com. I always ask, if it's a pick, it's 10 bucks or less, how much does it cost with that coupon? It is free, my friend. Yeah. All right. So who's really hot at pregame right now? Well, you know, we're going to dust off another one of these old cappers, uh, Mark Lawrence. And uh, Mark Lawrence is on a great run. He's hit 10 of his last 12 best bets. Check out Mark Lawrence at the site along with a lot of other very hot cappers at uh, pregame pros. And do uh, you want a free pick for me now? Absolutely. All right. Well, we talked about this team in the first segment, and this week I'm going to go against them. For every reason last week that I liked Missouri, and by the way, we are going for our third straight winner here on the podcast, Missouri this week's going to be, well, you got to get that plug in, you know. <laughs> well, I may well, not be able When we lose, we talk about it. We talk about it. years in the business. That's right. right. You know, I don't have a big vocabulary, but I know how to say I'm winning. <laughs> 30 years. The Missouri 
team, they had a huge game last week. They had to prove that they could win without Chase Daniels. Now, this week, they're ripe for a letdown. They're playing a Bowling Green team, a MAC team coming in here. They're going to take this team for granted. The line is overpriced because of one game. What's the number? Uh, early number was 16 and a half. Ooh, I expect it to go up. Northern Illinois, Wisconsin line. Here's the thing, too. Missouri's had a history of not performing well after a big win. They're only 5-16 and 16 after a win of 28 points or more. But a little inside angle for you, Bowling Green's offensive coordinator was on the Kansas State staff last year, so he knows the Big 12, knows Missouri. I think he'll have a great game plan to attack this Missouri defense. Taking the points here, you've got that combination of letdown and inside info. I tell you, again, talking about college football, which is something that I have some friends in the business, is coaching knowledge of conferences of teams is huge when they talk about these games. And uh, so that's actually a great little nugget and I think very valuable. Awesome. Now, I'm actually, I don't give a lot of free picks, but I'm giving one this week. This is going to be, I don't even know how to say it because I'm not selling anything. This is my free pick of the year. <laughs> All right? The, the free game video podcast. This Ohio State USC line is crazy. At best. And again, I'm putting myself on a limb here. And even if I'm right, High State could still lose by 21. So let's make sure to hedge just a little bit. But I, this line should be three. You're getting a four point. It's almost like a teaser for free here. And maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe Ohio State's that bad. I just keep going back that the two and a half years ago, they were high state. I was at the game, was lane seven to Florida. And everyone was like, is this a high state team one of the best teams of all time? Now, in two and a half years, they've gone to being a seven-point home dog against a USC team that, that really people aren't that excited about I'm with the freshman quarter. Yeah. So I'm taking high state. Make sure you get the seven key numbers. Now, co- oh, go ahead. By the way, where did you go to school? I went to Ohio State. But I can promise you okay. I would bet against them just as quick. Do you just say Ohio State or do you say the, the Ohio State? The. I, I do say the occasionally. Oh, okay. I do. It's true. It's true. It is. I love it when the players in the pre, it, when they get announced like for Monday Night Football and they do the the. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty hot. That sounds like pretentious snobs when they do that, but that's okay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the question: You have to wonder. You have to wonder where Marco's from if Columbus, Ohio, is pretentious. I like the ones that get the elementary school and the high school. All right. Now, I, couple notes here. Pretty keynotes. One: We got a new contest in the forums where you can actually pick one college game a week and one NFL game a week, and it's free, and we're giving away a combined $1,000 in cash. So go to pregameforms.com. It's free to enter. And by the way, I picked a high state this week there. Oh, um, to get in? Yeah, it's unlimited. Anyone can jump in. All right. So number two is, remember, we talk about you can get all the videos. This is our fourth one this week and the final one. All the videos at pregame.tv. If you listen to this on iTunes, it's audio only, that's fine too. Now what we do is we do an a overtime show where all the stuff that we can't fit into the 40 minutes or so that we allot for the video end, we talk about and we double back through segment one, two, three, and four and talk about a little extra. And that goes about 10 minutes. That's audio only. It's a separate piece. So if you're in iTunes and stuff, you just get that as a separate piece or a separate segment. Um, and if you're 
watching right now, you just go to pregame.com, jump in the forums, and you can click the audio-only link. Now, one of the things we do in overtime is we talk about, like we said, things that we didn't really get to dig into. So I'm going to tease this just a little bit before we go here. Is Marco is making fun of my hair. We're going to do a little research and try to find out when is the last, what year it was that he had to get a haircut. So <laughs> it, we'll have that <laughs> in overtime, and we're going <laughs> to. We're going to wrap up our free pick segment. And I'll have a line for that by the time we get down. The next one. Yeah, well, before that. All right, so thank you for this week, and we'll see you next week.